You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It's time for the Dragon Con Report, a podcast dedicated to help newcomers and veterans prepare for the upcoming annual convention in downtown Atlanta. With interviews, advice, and news from the pros and fans alike, be careful, you never know, you might actually learn something. Howdy, and welcome to the fifth episode of the 2019 Dragon Con Con Report. Man, it's there's like only about 100 days left until Dragon Con, and this is the actually, we're past the halfway point of the episodes that we do before Dragon Con, so yeah, it's, it's on its way. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Gordon, and I'm pleased to introduce you to the rest of our station crew. Uh, of course, we have director Mike Faber. Hey there. Can't believe we're at the halfway point or beyond it already. I was going to say, did I scare you? Uh, I'm just, I'm tired and you just like scared me awake. You know, it's just horrifying. (laughs) We have Darren back with us. Hi. (laughs) I wondered there for a second. I'm not Darren. I'm Mary Lou. Ah, no, no, no. Ah, no one's going to buy it, huh? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, Hey. Nice try, though. I tried. I tried. Mary Lou's getting her Janice Rand wig, you know, restyled. (laughs) That's right. That takes a while. It does. It does. That's a that's a that's a B of a hive right there. So that's right. Yes, no Mary Lou, uh, unfortunately, this month. But we do have with us uh, a couple of guests. uh, DJ Spider and Jen Adams are returning to the show for our main topic. And what is our main topic? Our main topic this on this episode is now that Dragon Con is over 30, is it still sexy? So we'll talk all about that. Um, we all have experience being over 30, so we all can relate. Um, uh, <laughs> at least I know 40. most of us do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Shh. Okay. Uh, um, that's a different podcast. Um, uh, we also have a cosplayer, uh, Taylor, uh, Deadship Pool. Uh, will join us later on the show and Clyde Gilbert, who is the director of the state, the concourse stages. He's going to join us as well. Um, we are a proud member of the ESO network. Be sure to check out the Amazon link at the top of the ESO network site. It doesn't cost you any more to purchase your stuff. And it really does help us out a lot. Uh, we have a T public store filled with all kinds of cool designs. And there's a link for that at the top of the page as well. And, of course, the ESO has a Patreon page where you can lend us your support and you can have great rewards like 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 past panels at DragonCon. We post those all the time for our patrons. What else do they have there, Mike? They have a lot of stuff. That's all they have. <laughs> no, they, ha- they have access to podcasts 48 hours before they go live to the public. They also have the options of special events, including... ESO Network Riffs, which is an original show just for our patrons. And then, of course, you have special shows by other podcasts and other stuff that we'll be talking about at a later time. But watch this space. 
Yeah, it's it's we're we're really putting a lot of time and energy. Uh, Recently, we reached out to all of our current patrons as well as uh, hopefully potential patrons and asked them what they would like to see. We got a lot of feedback, so we're going to be making some changes that way. So we want to make things better for you because we really do appreciate the support that you give us. Um, and we also want to hear your feedback. Uh, if you would like to leave us a note or comment on the show, please, you can, you can call our feedback line, 404-963-9057. You can email us at dragonconreport at esonetwork.com, or you can check us out on Facebook. Um, we're on the social medias as well. Uh, ESO Network has a Instagram page, uh, yeah, Instagram account. So you can see, uh, you can check us out there. So, uh, yeah, we are part of a proud member of the ESO network. So, uh, so join in the discussion there. Uh, we've got little, only a little news, uh, officially, um, actually, uh, only one piece of official news really. And, uh, but both of my pieces of news, this on this episode have to do with emails that I got. And one of them was, uh, an email from dragon con, the dragon con newsletter came out. Woo-hoo. Um, so, uh, it's very nice. It's uh, very cool. Uh, it's formatted very well. Um, it didn't, if you keep up with Dragon Con news, it doesn't really have a lot of new things for you, but it is kind of a nice, uh, thing that they're doing. So I do encourage people to sign up. And if you don't feel like tracking down all the information that's going on, uh, that's been posted on the Facebook group or the Twitter account, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you just wanted it all in one nice package that comes to you. Sign up for the newsletter because that's that's exactly the point of it. And they have some really cool pictures from I think last was it last month or two months ago we talked to um, Crispy about volunteering, and uh, they have some pictures of uh, him. And he's actually I think on a video uh, that they show some of the volunteer efforts that they've been doing. So the newsletter is great. Uh, check it out. Uh, another piece of email that I got was from the Black Geeks of DragonCon, Black Geeks DC will hold its fifth annual photo shoot on Sunday, September 1st from 2.20 to 3.30 p.m. on the back steps of the Hilton Atlanta Hotel. Uh, We invite DragonCon participants and media outlets to join us and cover this celebration of diversity in cosplay. Uh, Black Geeks DC began as a way to increase awareness of geek diversity. After his family and friends commented about the lack of African-American interest in science fiction and the associated multi-genre conventions, uh, Channing Sherman decided to start taking pictures of the quote-unquote black geeks he met during DragonCon conventions. He saw an increasing number of minorities at the convention and, I, and believed it needed to be highlighted. A late-night conversation over Sangria during DragonCon 2014 led to the idea of creating an opportunity for black geeks to socialize and celebrate their love of cosplay. The Black Geeks DC photo shoot was born. Uh, there's a, there's an event page on Facebook. We're going to have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, they've also, I believe you can uh, seek them out uh, at blackgeeksofdragoncon.com. So uh, if you're interested in uh, attending that, um, that photo shoot, or you just want to find out more about them, uh, I definitely encourage you to follow that link. And I've already reached out to them and hopefully we'll have um, some, one of them, uh, a representative come on, on a future show. So I'm excited about that. So thank you for sending us that. If there are like, you know, feel free to use this, uh, this podcast as a, as an old school bulletin board. Cause I remember in the early days of dragon con, there used to be bulletin boards where people would post like where like you could find things. And uh, so uh, I would be glad to, to provide that service. So send me your emails at um, 
uh, dragoncounterport at esonetwork.com, and uh, we will make as many of them uh, public as we can and uh, get the word out. So awesome. Speaking of getting the word out, um, there's been some announcements, some guest announcements. So Mike and Darren, since Miss Mary Lou is not with us, uh, Mike and Darren, so everybody get your, get your pie, get your drinks, get your buckets <laughs> ready, because uh, here we go. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot tonight. I will tell you this. We usually go right off of the Dragon Con website. So they have been making a lot of announcements over the last week, but they haven't updated the website since the 8th of May. So we will just read off of that. And it makes next month's more exciting because there'll even be more celebrities and, and guests and such. So, Darren, I am going to say let you go first. Okay. Trevor Valley is an accomplished field paleontologist, a certified Cicerone, and an outspoken critic of pseudoscience, conspiracies, and science denialism. In addition to his National Geographic documentary, he has appeared on everything from the History Channel to the Weather Channel. Joe Staten has been a comic since 1971. He has an ink spot as an Eisner and three Harveys. He's a co-creator of E-Man, The Huntress, Omega Men, and lots of Green Lanterns. He's been drawing the Dick Tracy comics for the last eight years. That is amazing. The award-winning imaginative art of Don Mates has appeared on hundreds of publications worldwide and as concept art for two feature animated films. Mates created the Captain Morgan spiced rum character. God bless you, sir. Mercedes Lackey has always written for her early teens and developed this hobby by writing fan fiction for various amateur magazines. She now has 126 books in print, which includes the Heralds of Valdemir, Elemental Masters, Avonblade, and other series. Clay and Susan Griffith are writers of fiction and comic books. Uh, he's the co-author of The Flash, The Haunting of Barry Allen, and Arrow, A Generation of Vipers, official tie-in novels for the hit CW shows. He is also the co-creator of the Vampire Empire series. Mike Grell has brought his own creations and their worlds to life with a cinematic style of visual storytelling. Some of his most famed works include Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and The Warlord for DC Comics, as well as Star Slayer, John Sable, and Maggie the Cat. And The Legion of Superheroes. Of course, I was going to say that. I had to go in there. Yeah. Of course. Zach Galligan made his debut in the MGM film Nothing Lasts Forever. His most notable role was as Billy Peltzer in Gremlins, which finished as the third highest grossing film in 1984. Other credits include Gremlins 2, Tales from the Crypt, Melrose Place, and Waxwork. Dave Fenoy is perhaps best known for his voicing of Lee Everett from The Walking Dead games. Bluebeard from The Wolf Among Us, Vargin from The World of Warcraft, Gabriel Toth, from StarCraft II, and General Tong Krell from Star Wars The Clone Wars. Jacob Walsh is a podcaster, musician, and tattoo artist. He's a co-founder and host of Yes Have Some Podcast, and is a longtime member of the Georgia Ghostbusters. Mark's Pyle authored the Television on the Wild Wild Web, co-hosts DC's Action Hour, the podcast Geranium Tenant, and creates web series films, is teaching scripts analyst. He does film production and a web series. Ali Mikalka is an actress and platinum recording artist as one half of the band Ali and AJ. She has appeared in the films Easy A, 
Band Slam, Sequoia, and Weep Away for now, among others. Her television credits include iZombie, Hellcats, and Two and a Half Men. AJ Mikaka is an actress and platinum recording artist and one half the band Ali and AJ. In addition to her film and television credits, Milaka has a scored a recurring role in the sitcom The Goldbergs. She now reprises her role in the spin-off series Schooled. Rose McIver can currently be seen playing the lead character Liv Moore on CW's iZombie. She also recently played Tinkerbell on ABC's Once Upon a Time and has previously been seen on Masters of Sex, Petals on the Wind, The Lovely Bones, and more. She has one of the best accents in real life. Truly, she does. (laughs) For more than 20 years, Jeff Linger has produced costumes for theme parks, films, TV, and corporate events like Disney, Universal Studios, Hasbro, NASA, Blizzard Entertainment, and Samsung. Alex Lavelle is a podcast host and producer whose current projects include Panelology, Minds at Yerk, and an upcoming project focused on the works of Rob Thomas. Raul Kolali is an English actor who's best known for playing Dr. Ravi Chakrabarti. <laughs> Take a drink. Take a shot, kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the television series, I Zombie, and also has appearances on YouTube channels, Funhouse, and has recently lent his voice in the upcoming Harley Quinn animated web series as Scarecrow. Excuse me, I'm going to have to get another sure. bottle. Please. After, after I know, that. right? Ginger Holly is a costumer for film and television, best known for her work on the web series Star Trek Continues. She has gone on to fabricate for multiple projects. Dr. Rona Harris is an arts and technology educator. She is also a costume designer focusing on wearable tech. Her commissioned works are found in museums, films, television, and on runways. Bailey Harris is a 12-year-old science author, speaker, and activist. She is on a mission to inspire a love of science and a sense of wonder at the universe. Abigail Gardner is a writer and podcaster. Having co-founded Yes, Have Some Podcasts in 2016, she has become a leading voice in the Ghostbusters fan community. Rob Fitz is a professional makeup artist and film director with 20 years' experience. Most recently, he worked on films like The Equalizer, Patriot's Day, and Super Troopers 2. Damian Williams is an instructor, researcher, and writer on philosophy, technology, religion, popular culture, and occult, writing a futureworththinkingabout.com and technical.net. Sean Wayland is an actor and producer for podcasts and video games. He currently executive produces two podcasts and has a third game in development. Talila Lynn is an actress from Birmingham, Alabama. She currently stars in So True Y'all, the flagship sketch comedy show on the internet brand It's a Southern Thing. Historian and writer Bethany Kessler currently has a Patreon for short stories, reviews on Murder Boarding, Inc., as well as her own blog under her pen name, DJ Gray. And a good friend of the show. In 2017, Mark Garst starred in the Templin Institute, an online series that produced documentary videos covering some of the most critical elements of science fiction, alternate history, and fantasy genres. Chris Donio is a key specialty costumer for film and TV. His most recent work was for Ant-Man and the Wasp and for Marvel's Endgame. Nick Zano portrays Nate Haywood, or Steele, in a lead role in the second, third, and fourth seasons of DC's Legends of Tomorrow and the fifth season of Arrow. 
His recurring roles on televisions include Melrose Place, Cougar Town, Happy Endings, 90210, and Two Broke Girls. Justin Young is a podcaster and comedian. He has been heard by millions, both on his own podcast as well as appearances on NPR, The Morning Stream, This Week in Tech, and BitTorrent News. He recorded two comedy albums with Brian Brushwood as Night Attack. Amanda West is a film and television actress who first gained notice for her role as Lisa in the comedy film Fast Times at Ridgemont High from 1982. She has also rose to international prominence after playing Tina Gray in the film A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. With childhood interests in music, arts, and movies, Juna Suatamo studied film and video. He was a body double for Chewbacca, played by Peter Mayhew in Star Wars The Force Awakens, and played the role for Star Wars The Last Jedi and the Solo spinoff film. Anthony Simcoe is a graduate of Cindy's National Institute of Dramatic Arts. He is best known for Australia for his role as Steve Kerrigan in The Castle and better known throughout the rest of the world as a portrayal of Diago in Farscape. Matthew Ryan is perhaps best known for portraying John Constantine in NBC's Constantine and the CW's Arrowverse. And along with his current adaptation on Legends of Tomorrow and voicing the character in the 2017 film Justice League Dark and its CW Seed spinoff web series, Constantine, City of Demons. David Ramsey is an actor and martial artist best known for his roles in Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and The Flash as John Diggle slash Spartan. Anton Briggs on the Showtime TV series Dexter and the film Mother and Child as Joseph. Cartoonist, animator, and comic book artist Robert Pope currently draws Looney Tunes for DC Comics and the Peanuts Gang for Boom Studios and Simon Spotlight. 30 years in comics and animation, he has drawn Scooby-Doo, the Powerpuff Girls, Batman the Brave and the Bold, Johnny Bravo, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, and more. Dean Motter is an artist, writer, and designer best known for his comics, Sensation Mr. X, and his creative work for DC, Dark Horse, and Marvel Comics. His Vertigo miniseries, Terminal City, was nominated for an Eisner and Kurtzman Awards. He is best known for his graphic novel, The Prisoner, Shattered Visage. Michael Mosley is a director-creator of professional stage wear and cosplay costumes for clients and celebrities, including various WWE superstars, rappers, and NFL football players. In addition to creating more than 350 unique costumes for a variety of genres, he also designs and fabricates props for stage plays and television shows. We just had him on the podcast two months ago. Paul McGillan's television credits include Fox's 24, ABC's Once Upon a Time, AMC's award-winning drama The Killing, CW's The Flash, Netflix Frontier, the cult classic The X-Files, the hit sci-fi series Stargate Atlantis, where he portrays the lovable Scottish physician Dr. Carson Beckett for five seasons. Dr. Leanne Lord is a stand-up comedian and author. She's been seen on Star Talk Radio, Comedy Central, HBO, and The View. She was a national finalist in the ABFF HBO Comedy Wings competition. A nerd's nerd, Leanne is a proud member of House Ravenclaw with a dash of Slytherin. Rob Greenley is the VP of Podcaster Relations for VoxNet Speaker and a 2017 inductee into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. In his role of VoxNet, Rob is responsible for managing relationships with the 25,000-plus podcast producers who entrust the company's speaker platform for the podcast needs. 
Heiress to the Dark Knight, Athena Finger fought for her grandfather, Bill Finger, to receive co-credit recognition for Batman and won in 2015. She has been actively attending conventions as the historian of the creation of Batman, artist, and upcoming author. And we have a lot to thank her for. Yeah, we do. Peter David is a prolific New York Times bestselling author and self-proclaimed writer of stuff. He has written almost all forms of prose and gained followers in each of David's career and continued popularity spans nearly two decades. Ronnie Blakely is an actress, singer, songwriter, composer, producer, and director. Her most well-known role was the fictional country superstar Barbara Jean in Robert Altman's 1975's film Nashville. She has also appeared in A Nightmare on Elm Street, A Return to Salem's Lot, Murder by Numbers, and more. Chris Bivens has worked on a variety of projects from storyboarding, the Belko experiment, to the animated on slot game Dragon's Lair. Along with his partner in crime, Joe Craig, there are art combo break and have combined to take comic books and animation works by storm. And that is the list for right now. Woohoo! But keep on checking the DragonCon website because they will be adding more and more and more. And we will be torturing more and more and more and more. That, that's a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. If anybody is still sober. Or not, no, no one's sober. sober. Uh, <laughs> so, go. so, yes, that, that's why people really enjoy this show. <laughs> that's uh, it. That's, that, that's our secret. <laughs> uh, we just get them wasted. Um, but, uh, no, I appreciate you guys. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing to go through that list. I get it. I've done it. And it's, uh, yeah. Well, it's a. It's Thanks. a cold read. It's a very cold read. Yeah. You guys are taking the... <laughs> oh, we do every month, my friend. We do every month. All right, now it's starting to tackle the main topic, which uh, this month is... is <laughs> like it, Dragon Con is getting um, older. It is... Uh, I think this year it'll be 32. Is my math right on that? 32, 33? Um, and so I, I was doing some thinking um, and I don't know why I thought of this in particular, but as far as, as far as, you know, getting older uh, you know, obviously midlife crisis do, do uh, things as sexy as they used to be is dragon con as sexy as it used to be. Um, there were times when it was, I mean, that was, it had the reputation of that's all it was. Uh, so I, I thought it would be kind of interesting to hear your thoughts on that. And uh, of course we have with us, uh, now joining us, uh, Jen Adams, who was on a few months ago. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> From Texas. Welcome back. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And a big welcome back to DJ Spider, who it's been too long since you've been with us. Hi, guys. Did you miss me? We did. <laughs> so we're glad to have you with us. And I thought you guys would be, you know, insightful as far as it, as far as this topic goes. Um, so um, I guess we'll we'll start with uh, we'll start with Jen. Okay. Um, as far as uh, like Dragon Con being sexy, what does that mean to you? Have you seen a change over the years? Um, well, I'd say I mean I've seen a change in some areas and not so much in other areas. I mean, for my very first year that I attended, you know, of course after dark you notice a pretty big difference in the costumes that people are walking around in uh but back then there also used to be adult themed panels like a lot of adult themed panels and i think we've slowly seen those disappear 
Oh, they've I, all but died pretty much. Yeah, I, they're all gone now. I mean, I'd say <laughs> we still get some adult content, like with kilt blowing and with uh, the late night puppet slam. Um, yeah, but not like but it's not. To- it's not. Yeah, it's not like the BDSM <laughs> 101 panels or anything. There's like no. That. There's no throb show. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no throb fashion show yes, yes there is it's just in private hotel rooms <laughs> and not on the dragon con app yep <laughs> i mean you know we we have burlesque shows and uh we have the bunny hutch party which you know is more showy costumes more risque costumes that's your more organized events uh but yeah, we don't we don't have those specific panels anymore, but I still see a, a lot of the really sexy, hardly any clothing there costumes walking around uh, during the day and night. So I'd say like the costuming hasn't so much changed, but the content officially offered by the convention has changed. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah, I mean, obviously I want to also hear what you guys are thoughts of, you know, is Dragon Con sexy and what is sexy about Dragon Con? Um, um, Spider, what do, what do you think? Well, first I want to point out that just because something is over 30 doesn't mean that it's not sexy anymore. First, I want to put that out there. For oh, a little... yes. Yeah, let's, let's oh, just get yes. that clear. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> I don't think you're going to get too much disagreement from <laughs> most of us here. <laughs> Um, I think, no, I think as the convention has grown, I mean, what used to be small gatherings and small get togethers and small understandings is that, you know, oh, after dark, we would wear this kind of costume, you know, you could find, you know, small groups of people 20 or 30 at a time, maybe 40, if you were lucky, um, that were in the same sort of like interest and spectrum that you were, they were easier to find because they were a smaller group. But as the convention has grown, the space has gotten smaller. So it's not so much that we I don't necessarily think it's gone. I just think it's had to go to other places. So you'll still, if you know people, you'll get the invites to the the more intimate and and more risque parties that are going on. Some of them are definitely more public, like burlesque or like the ABC party. Things like that are uh, still, ABC. yeah. Um, so things like that are still going on. Um, but and they're just uh, they've just become these mass, just like the convention itself. They've sort of become these much bigger bigger than they were before um, organisms and they've just had to grow and adapt um, around that. Um, I think in general though, you can still find the sexy times if you're looking for them. I know at 4 a.m. coming back or 3 a.m. coming back from a, a gig, walking down the hall, I still see people macking with each other and, you know, hitting on each other and I've gotten hit on badly um, at times, um, you know, coming back from things. <laughs> Um, these pickup lines are some of my favorite things, even to this day. Um, but there's sort of this weird, um, freedom that you kind of get when you're at the convention that, you know, because you put on a costume, you've sort of become somebody else or because you're in this environment, you're somebody else. And you sort of, by being somebody else, you've entered in sort of like this, um, I guess, unspoken contract that you're going to, to some degree, behave the way you're supposed to, where you're told you're supposed to behave that way. For the most part, I think Dragon Con has gotten to that point. You do what's socially acceptable in some places. You do what's less socially acceptable in darker corners and other places where you can't be seen. Before, that used to be the basement of the Hyatt or the lower levels of the Hyatt. It's just not there anymore because there's just so many people. So I think those people in those places are still there at Dragon Con. I just think they've just gone to um, deeper and darker recesses than we had before. 
I think, I think it is a great point too. And that the fact, especially I think on the outside, it's easy to look and at the, you know, the various costumes and be like, yeah, those are sexy. But I think the, the attitude about Dragon Con, even from the, especially the early days um, and even to now um, where, uh, cause I still feel, and I've ever since the first year I went uh, in 94, uh, I felt comfortable there. Um, in a in a way that I didn't feel comfortable in a lot of other places or a lot of other gatherings, and I think that comfort level, uh, that ease that you feel there, it, uh, lends itself to you know a certain level of confidence and you know sexiness there, right? So you're you're sort of going to do things that you probably wouldn't do in other situations, and not not, say, not saying that that's a bad thing. Sometimes it can be, I guess. <laughs> and, and that, and that, when you add like you know, like a bunch of liquor involved, well, then you know, <laughs> then it's all it's all uh, chaos, really. I definitely but, giant uh, bar at that point. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jen. What? I was saying, I I definitely am a different person at Dragon Con than I am even at other conventions because oh, yeah, there's a there's a different amount of freedom there. There's a different vibe with the crowd. I think I'm gonna wear certain. That way, yeah, I'm gonna wear certain costumes there that I would never wear to a different convention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I tried it, it once. Like, I tried wearing a bunny costume to a, a convention here at home one year, and was like, "No, this does not feel right." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, it was wabbit season. <laughs> it's always amazing because, especially for those who are a lot of times local to Dragon Con we get to see coworkers and such at the con dressed in costume. You had no suspicion of them being into the geek community at all because they're usually prim and proper at the office or such, you know, or church or wherever. And then you get to see them in for the ABC costumes or, you know, dressed in, you know, just different ways. And we always tell people, you know, you could expect, to see the unexpected at Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And that's the first rule you come by. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. You do. You see the side of people that you, you don't normally expect or you see sides of costumes because also a lot of people will interpret costumes their own way or characters their own way. So that will come out. But beyond that, it's also just, Jen's absolutely right. It's the environment. It's the vibe. It's everything that you have going on in that space. You kind of disconnect from reality a little bit and you walk into con and you're just like, okay, this is me. And this is, you know, why I think people's nom de plumes and their badge names are, are very important there because it kind of helps keep you in sort of your, you know, headspace, I guess is the best word for it while you're there. So all of a sudden you're not, Hey John. And all of a sudden you think you have to go back to the accounting office and drop off that red stapler that you borrowed versus being there. And you can be <laughs> Lord Olaf of the fluffy pony pants and nobody's going to question it. And you can just do and, and feel and be, and be more exuberant, be more outgoing because you're around your peers. Are you still going to run into people that are not on your vibe? Absolutely. It's a, the convention has gotten to a size where it's literally its own. It's almost like it's own like tiny moon or tiny planet where you're going to have different cliques and different groups. And so at this point, it's not just like Republican or Democrat. It gets down to like, Oh, well you like anime. I'm sorry. I'm not into anime. I'm into comic books. And that becomes our like political divisiveness, <laughs> you know, when you get into that <laughs> level of things. So we've become this culture and, you know, we just, you know, and I think our social mores kind of change a little bit when we walk into those hotel rooms or down the hallway or we put on that first costume or we fill up our first 
um, you know, to go cup, uh, to go wandering in, you know, you kind of just relax, you let loose a little bit and you shake it all off and move on. Um, it, it's, and it's, she's right. It's just like the vibe and it just kind of infects you. I've had friends that have gone for the first time. And at first they're just kind of like, there's so much to look at. There's so much to do. I don't know where to start. I'm like, just mm-hmm. go where it takes you because you don't know what you're, you know, go to that panel. You would, you'll learn something you didn't know before, or go take a left instead of a right down that habit trail and, and see where that takes you, you know, just explore and see. And then by the, like the third or fourth day, they're just like, I don't, I don't, I can't not come back. I'm like, I know <laughs> you get in your blood. <laughs> Welcome to our world. Well, that's part of the fun of it is especially on Thursday and Friday when you have the norms around because the offices that are connected to the different hotels through Peachtree Center are still functioning and you have them walking through the hotels and gawking at the people in costumes already. Or even Wednesday now. Yes, that's true. More of a a mix. But Saturday and and Sunday, you get the uh, football fans. Yeah. Yep. Over there as well. So the quote unquote norms get traded out for the jock fans. Yeah, but to be, so there's, yeah, there's still that going on. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, yeah. But to be fair, I go down there like during, if I go down to Atlanta like in June or in February, I go into the hotels and I'm just like, oh, look, furniture. You know, we, we, we gawk at the hotels yeah, and we gawk at these people. <laughs> We're just like, look at all the normal people here. What kind of convention is this that you have to wear a tie? Um, that's where it and kind of flips on you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of parties do they have yes mm. exactly <laughs> Lossing. Mm. Mm-hmm. exactly but it's interesting too because i've noticed over the last probably 10 years the disappearance of certain kind of guests too to dragon con as the cons matured and tried to become more family friendly they've also i remember times at dragon con where they used to have like porn stars and such at the con as guests Especially know, like a lot of in the other conventions do you still. Yeah, exactly. But Dragon Con doesn't. And, you know, they've cut down on also even they still have fetish and stuff in the vendor room, but not as much as they used to. Yeah. Well here yeah. with fetish, I think it's a fine line though, because everybody's got a fetish about something. And for some people it's yeah. just seeing people in spandex. So you know, there's the more traditional BDSM, but for some people, of course, it can mean three different things. It can mean Ren Faire, it can mean LARPing, or it can mean, you know, hot times in the old queen size bed. You know, everybody's got like a different take on the same item. So I think that they're there. I think the presentation and how they've organized things has definitely got a little bit different. Um, and I think also having this expanded layout over in America's Mart, where it's just huge, um, I, maybe it doesn't look like as much as it used to. I'm betting it's probably the same amount. It's just the layout. That's just kind of looks different. I would agree with that. It got, it got spread out a little more just so it could be like easier managed for pedestrian traffic. So, yeah. And I think also they probably had to move a lot of like the old, like vendors that were selling floggers and collars and whatnot. They've had to pull them sort of lessen the sight lines just in case the news comes through to start filming things or to do an interview with somebody because there is more media attention on it. So you also want to present it as a family friendly event. You know, it's just the way you do things. So, you know, I get that. I think, and again, that's a complete reflection on, I think the culture in general, because now we're in this point where we've got, you know, it's become this much bigger organism and just like the Schmexitans have moved off to the sidelines. 
so have the vendors, so have everything else. They're still there. You just have to work a little harder to find them. Yeah, you you can find that type of stuff at Dragon if you if you are searching for it. There are certain websites <laughs> online where uh, you can yeah. make plans <laughs> to meet people who are interested in the things that you're interested in. There's and always you can have Craigslist. That minute panel. Yep. Craigslist. Uh, I think Craigslist took their stuff down, didn't they? I was going to say, or is Craigslist personals. still a thing? Because I can remember, especially like there was a while there where Craigslist and DragonCon were like this weird mix of just fun, fun stuff. <laughs> I mean, the misconnections after DragonCon was hilarious to read through. Oh yeah. Oh, I think I know some people have moved to because I've seen threads on the on the DragonCon Reddit board, and as well as people are now posting on Discord. Mm-hmm. Um to let people know about either private suite events or yeah. Hey, I'm into this. I'll be here at this time. Like-minded people come join me. Yeah. It looked, I'm on Craigslist now and it looks like the classifieds, you know, for meeting people is not there anymore. So maybe they're, they're putting it under a different forum. I think they had to do that because of that weird new law about having to take responsibility if something bad happens. Um, You mean like, like normal type life stuff that's amazing that they're making them yeah. by that yeah take responsibility <laughs> well, well, it was, yeah exactly it was either that or, or wait to be sued so they said well let's not be sued so <laughs> you know <sighs> sigh but there are other websites where you can certainly find people to connect with if you're into if you're into a kink you know, not not vanilla. You certainly can find those communities out there on the interwebs. Okay, you can meet well, people, and I bet you, if you mention Dragon Con, there will be ten people who go. Yeah, we're going to be there. Okay, so least. are you looking just out of curiosity? Are you looking at the Atlanta Craigslist? Yeah. Okay, because Charlotte at, still has misconnections. Homepage. Yeah, the Charlotte Craigslist still oh, okay. has misconnections. So maybe it's just a regional thing by state. It may be. It so may be. all of us who want to do misconnections for Dragon Con, go to look at the Charlotte, you know. <laughs> Just post it under Charlotte. Yes, that's and exactly. And say Decon missed you, <laughs> and that'll be it. <laughs> or or you could um, be the, also, free, the free hug guy. Of course, is, and also <laughs> say in the ad, heard you on the Dragon Con report. No. Yeah. <laughs> Those, uh... I would like sexy boom boom time with you. <laughs> those those after con messages though were so like you know sort of sort of hilarious and sort of sad at the same time because you'd yeah. see you know you'd read the ones that are like hey uh, girl who is dressed like Harley that I saw like in the Marriott Sign, and you look Deadpool we had that moment like <laughs> could you please reach out to me and it's like wow good luck yeah that was random yeah. I, <laughs> we, we talk about this all the time about, hey, be careful when you're at con because it is Atlanta. It's a big city. You know, you need to have your spidey sense up, you know, just in case. But at the same time, this is when you're going to meet people who are really into the stuff that you're into. So you do need to open yourself up a little bit to the possibility of making a connection at Dragon Con, especially if you're single. You know, that that's kind of like, here is your dating pool. That's how I got my guy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Dragon Con. <laughs> See? Really? My she brought a net and she snapped. <laughs> yeah, my first, very first year, 2010, I met him my first night there. See? And then we ran into each other again two days later and kind of been together ever since. Well, there you go. Wow. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. No, you hear about and those people stories will do all the things time. at Dragon Con. Yeah. 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 People will do things at Dragon Con they would not do normally 
quote unquote, in a first dating relationship because uh, it's yeah. the atmosphere of con. <laughs> You know, it's the craziness. You might be out of town. Maybe people don't know you that well. And, of course, take a liberal amount of alcohol and stir. You know, it's, <laughs> things are going to happen. And you know? we here at the Dragon Con Report do not condone that. We don't. Also, you also <laughs> I do. I know. <laughs> Officially. Officially. Also, pick up lines that would never work on you in another situation. <laughs> they, they might then. I think I think people who listen to our show know that we it comes with a disclaimer that Darren does not like the views of Darren do not necessarily reflect the the, the, the views of the ESO network. <laughs> and I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that fact. Exactly. I think that's why you know we write it into his contract. But I, I I've said to many of my straight guy friends, hey, you know what? You need a wingman. I'll take care of you. And you I, know I will, what? I will find a lovely lady for you. Yeah, and at the same time, there are a lot of ladies that I know. We also look out for each other, so it's 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 a, yeah, a two way totally. street because once again, it's you know it's a situation that can get out of hand. You know, the sexy mm-hmm. what one person thinks is sexy times may just somebody who's got you know dirt in her eye and she's not really winking at you. She's just trying to get her contact straight. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, but you know, <laughs> everybody. Situation. Yeah, it's a situation thing, and then also it's just paying attention to cues and everything. So that's where I think the sexy times can get to unsexy times. Um, but that's like, any, again, any large situation where you're, you've got alcohol and just that heightened level of anticipation and excitement, people get a little jazzed up. We're like a small mob, you know, and it'll take just one thing to set yeah. us off or, or go off in a direction. Um, that one small thing could be like a sighting of a, you know, one of the guests walking down the room or, you know, a costume that's fantastic that shows up or, the cutest little kid ever in a tiny little like, you know, wampa outfit or something. These little things will like set you off and go off in directions and you share these moments with people around you. So you're bonded. You're like a family. It's just, you've got to figure out if you're family family and if that's where it stops or if you want to make a family, which turns into a whole different thing. Or if like, no buddy, this is like incest level. You need to stop. Um, And then there are other people that take their characters too seriously. And you know, they, when they cosplay, they like, over cosplay and they dive into it with both uh, feet. So some people get the hero complex or, you know, the Joker finds a Harley and won't leave the Harley alone because they're supposed to be together. This is how it is. Um, but again, I mean, that's just indicative nationwide, any situation, any combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's the sexy and there's the unsexy and there's definitely a, there's, there's easily a balance between the two that you can find and, and personalize to your own liking. You know, if you, if sexy times for you is, I think sitting there listening to, um, you know, there's, there's some writers when they start reading from their books, I'm like, I'm just going to hand you my shopping list. Could you read that next? Because Holy cow, (laughs) your voice is amazing. Um, just, just read my shopping list. Tell me I need to go buy tampons. That'd be fantastic. I'd make it much more interesting (laughs) for me. Um, but if you end up with, you know, for other people, it's just watching the parade of people and, or for some people it's like, Oh, look at all the, the tall girl, this is my thing. Or, hey, there's somebody with, you know, Wonder Woman cuffs on. That's my thing. Everybody's got their thing. Everybody is finding a little bit of sexy. Or if somebody compliments you in what you're wearing, then you feel sexy. You know, when you're when surrounded by a big group of people and a bunch of people are taking your photo because you're in cosplay, that makes you feel sexy. You know, for me, you know, when you're on a, doing a big dance or you're out in the crowd or you're up on stage, you know, performing or whatever, that energy going back and forth, that can make you feel sexy. Um, the sexy, sexy is, I think now that I'm thinking about it, sexy is still at Dragon Con. Dragon Con still has a big, giant, sexy, like, 
fear over it. Vibe, right. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. Just, but if you're looking for the actively sexy, if you're on a hunt for it, and maybe that needs to be like an ESO network, like kind of like um, treasure hunt is go find all the sexy <laughs> stuff. Let us know if it's still there, you know, turn it into a scavenger hunt and see how many things That's you can find. And, yeah. Maybe that's there. We're just not seeing it because we're not looking for it or we've become immune to it because we're so used yeah. to seeing it there. Yeah. We're, we're so used to seeing it. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, and we, we go to the next thing because we've, we've been to this show. 20 times you know we, we've seen people in the same costumes you know over and over and over again even the even the most scantily clad person now is no longer a shock to convets no. oh i've still You're been like, shocked oh every, abc every, okay every year i'm still shocked by things at dragon Con. you need to drink more yeah i'm, 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 I'm <laughs> used to the electrical tape costumes now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fast. Or the, the tape the, or the, or the, and a Band-Aid, go. Yeah. Or the, or the, or the body paint, you know. I, body you paint? Know, yes, mm-hmm. sure. That's, that's, that's a thing. There's so, a it, wonderful a story. There's a wonderful body paint story back when they used to do the Dawn competition. And uh, one year there was a girl there who was in full body paint. And I heard from some people who were sitting very close to the stage as as she was performing, they were like, oh, look, it's green, it's green, it's pink, it's pink, it's pink. And that kind of like (laughs) sort of a little bit of a, (laughs) uh, that was the shocking moment there that she did not cover all of her bits and parts. Um, But, you know, there's, it's, it's absolutely one of those things for me. I get, I think I get more shocked when I see it because I think I come from that old school of like, okay, you have day costumes and you have night costumes. And day costumes are things that oh. if you're going to have to walk between hotels during the day to get to a panel, you're okay with that, you know, because you, you will get occasionally like harassed by people on the streets, just general Atlanta natives um, or anybody driving up and down the street. Somebody's going to say something stupid. Um, but nighttime, yeah. if you're just hanging out or, you know, you want to put on that, you know, thong or that poison ivy, that's pretty much just like, hi, I bought three yards of garland at Michael's and I've just wrapped it around me. That kind of thing. <laughs> tends to sometimes be sort of more of a, of a, of a nighttime costume or like the bunnies. Yes. Like you tend to see the bunnies at night. You don't see them during the day. Um, I think I get shocked if I'm sitting in the food court, you know, trying to eat my breakfast and I see somebody's butt cheek um, like first thing in the morning. And I'm like, I haven't even slept with you. I don't need to see your butt cheek just yet. Cuddle with me for a spoon a little. Then I can see your butt cheek. Um, but like oh, eating, sitting there eating my Chick-fil-A, no, I, I don't need that. <laughs> it's a little bit. That, that will startle me more than anything else. And they're probably just coming home from somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'm and, and remember, Maybe it's not. It it's it's not a walk of shame. It's a victory march. Pride of pride. <laughs> Thank you. Let's be clear about this. We are not slut shaming. No. 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 Well, no. Not, not on this. No. Show. Nope. Not at all. No. Nope. Never. Because so, it, it takes more than one to tango. If you're doing a tango, right? Three. If you're doing so, it right. Five or you know, five. Three if you're doing it right. Four I if it's a party. Five or, six. <laughs> five or six, that works. Yeah, I've I've just come to realize with eight you get egg rolls. <laughs> when I see those type of costumes out during the daytime or in the morning, I I've just realized that it's it's because I would feel uncomfortable wearing that out during the daytime, uh, and that I'm not brave enough to do it. So it'll catch my eye during the day where I'm like, wow, that's really brave to wear out in the daylight around families <laughs> and kids. And it's like, I am not brave enough to do it myself. And they are. So kudos. You are making the most of it. 
Mm-hmm. I think those morning costumes think- too. Those morning costumes. I think for me, I'm like, wow, you had a lot of energy first thing in the morning. What didn't you do last night that you <laughs> had the time to put on all that makeup and be out here by like eight thirty dressed like that? I am still trying to get my head straight after the night before. So there's that too. It's just like, wow, you, 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 you're a go getter. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you go. I, you go. One, one of my sayings at Dragon Con: Remember, a thing of beauty is a joy until sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> That makeup is smeared all over the pillow in the room. <laughs> You're like, oh. But do you guys think, you know, there should be a difference between costumes during the day and costumes during the night? You know, because, you know, as we tell, like, especially on door when we do the tours, you know, there's a difference between Dragon Con at night and Dragon Con at, during the day. Uh, well, I think, I, I kind of think that the, the longer people have gone, we just kind of adopt a bit of that mentality. Um, I, I think when I started going, I probably wore some skimpier things during the day, but I was also learning how to costume at that point. Um, the more I, you know, learned how to sew and and put together outfits, I was really proud of. I kind of just in my own head adopted this. Okay. I'm doing X men burlesque this year. This is going to look better at night. Not just because I'm wearing less clothes, but because I'm wearing a lot of bling and it's sparkly, and that's just not going to be as impressive during the daytime because uh, there's not going to be a bunch of lights going off everywhere. Um, and I'm going to feel more comfortable, you know, not having my boobs and my butt in a toddler's face, <laughs> you know. I, I'm uh, going to do a male dazzler this year, and I want to, like, go up top, you know, wh- uh, somewhere where the sun will reflect off of me so I can blind uh, yeah. everyone in the lobby. <laughs> 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 so i'll be wearing bling during the day and at night at some point yeah. well i think <laughs> i don't want to do it yet but <laughs> now also i think a little bit it's that we um we're also i think jen and i you and i are a little bit more unique in that we bring a lot of costumes to con there are a lot oh, of yes. people that just come with one so yes. that's it that's True. what they're wearing the whole yeah. time or maybe two you graduate to this level of crazy when you decide i have to have something separate for the day and separate for the night yes. and then i need to have to walk around clothes and then I probably yep. need to have just some geek t-shirts with me. Like when half the, like I can't even tell you how many pairs of shoes I bring or wigs I bring to a con just in case that I change my mind yep, on something. I've brought. It's taken years to get to this level of just absurdity with me personally. You know, I've been going, this will be my 15th, 16th year going to dragon con. And my first year it was just two costumes. So I understand also if like, this is something as a, as a beginning costumer or somebody that's your first con, and other cons don't have this level of insanity when it comes to costuming, you bring one or two things and you'll throw it on and, and that's it. And so if you see it daytime and nighttime, that's because that's what you brought and you're proud of it and you want to wear it. Knock yourself yeah. out, you know, go for it. Um, but then again, you're absolutely right. It comes in and then you start to realize, oh, this, is, this would be better at night or I think this will be more reflective or you start getting involved with groups. And so, you know, there's an X-Men mm-hmm. shoot during the day or there's a Gotham shoot in the evening or at night. So you'll, you'll start to, set up your costuming or what you wear around doing those shoots. I know for myself, I have actually gotten myself down. Like if I'm doing a shoot with a big group during the day or in the afternoon, I'm like, okay, I can be here from here to here, but then I have to leave because I have to go do a sound check and I'm going to run and do that. And then I do the sound check and then I've got to run back to the room and change and then run back to go do the set all night. And so it's, you know, it's what am I going to be comfortable in? What's going to last all night? You know, some costumes, you know, are only going to last you about an hour and an hour and a half because that hot glue is going to start to melt off in Atlanta and you rushed it. 
and you feel bad about it and things are going to start falling off. Nothing that from personal experience whatsoever. Nope. Um, but then other nope, things you're nope, just like, nope. this is like living in a second skin and I want to wear this all the time because either I feel great in it, I feel sexy in it, um, or I feel powerful in it, or this just suits me, um, or I'm just too lazy to go up and take it off. Or my favorite reason is like, I can pee in this. I'm going to wear this yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a piece of advice for in the morning, if you feel like you have to costume in the morning, I find a simple hangover costume works. Yes. Pants, yep. shoes. Star Trek is perfect for this, people. It's a shirt, it's a pair of pants, and it's shoes. And you're good to go. Oh, see, and I I'm also have saying. drinking costumes. I have drinking costumes. Usually yeah. the early, like, Wednesday, Thursday night, we go out in drinking costumes at night or just something comfortable because it's going to be chaos. If I'm going out and it's party time, if somebody's going to spill something on what I'm wearing, I don't want it to be something I've spent 48 hours, yeah, you know, no. slaving over. And I'm, you know, hundreds of dollars in there. I'd rather it be in something I've thrown together as sort of like something bounding or a casual comfy kind of thing or a onesie or something I can be an absolute giant goofball in. That's much more fun and much more comfortable. But then I also know that I'm going out to, you know, have a good time and, see the things and do all the stuff and be a maniac. Um, and, and yes, go. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's, I'd rather just have as little as possible to weigh me down on something like that. And I've, I've got to embarrass spider for just a minute. Oh boy. I, well, okay. Well, you're talking it, to me. Not right? in a bad yeah, way. Embarrassing. Not, <laughs> not in a bad way. I'm just gonna say, I have seen you look at other cosplayers and there's, there's like, hundreds of cosplayers of dragon you know but the uh, superhero costume forum those guys are pretty tight you know as a group because they've known each other for years and years and years and years and years and i've seen you look at someone who i'm sure you've seen recently like overnight and they're in the same clothes from the night before and you point at them say go 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 to bed <laughs> get some rest <laughs> i have that's, that's because i'm looking out for their health and well-being because exactly. if you've been in that costume for 24 hours, you stank. You, 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 yeah, that's you need too. to go take a shower and get some food and, and brush your hair and, and, and breeze, get out of it. And breeze everything, please. For breeze yeah, all the things. There's probably chasing going on. <laughs> yes. yes. That's how oh. we get con crud. Yeah. Con crud. <laughs> yeah. God, no. That's please, how no. people get con crud. We should okay, so... sacrifice a Deadpool to the gods of con crud. So <laughs> All right. Get it so I'm, I'm, I'm willing the bus back onto the road, the main road. No. Um, so <laughs> we had we're, a topic. We're, we're, we're just, we're just uh, about. Uh, con crud is not sexy. There. <laughs> I'm about ready to wrap it up. But my, uh, <laughs> my feeling is, is that even though officially Dragon Con has has done a lot to sort of clean it up, um, become a little less sexy, um, that there are still um, areas where, uh, and actually it even makes it kind of more sexy, right? Or sexier, that's the word, right? Mm -hmm. That yeah. uh, that like if you have to like actually seek it out and find it, right? Yeah. True. Of course. Mm -hmm. Wait, some of those late night panels would be nice to have again, but... Yeah, but there's other cons you can also go to to get those kind of things too. Well, and, I mean, and, not not here for for me, you know, in Texas, but yeah, the, well, there are other cons, but they are dotted around. Yeah, yes, I, you know, I think it's still fair to say that when you 
compare, you know, certainly the size of, of a lot of other conventions out there for its size. Dragon Con is still probably, dare I say, the sexiest show. Yes, I would. I would definitely. Oh, by far. Yeah. I mean, you know, your San Diego's, your New York's, your Chicago's, your uh, Colorado's, Denver, you know, all those shows are huge. Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. Nightlife. But exactly, yeah. they don't have uh, the that, nightlife that's built into the show that's, itself. That's the magic agreement. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Well, no I mean, one's getting wasted in the middle of the Javits Center or oh, wait, you're not San Diego. To? Okay. Well, um, I mean, you can. <laughs> but no, <it's, laughs> I mean, but you're also, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, the nightlife is exactly what does it. And, it's not, and that nightlife mentality strays into the daytime because all of a sudden you're like, you've bonded with these people. You are quote-unquote, forced to live with these people for the next week, almost, for some of us, you know, you might as well have a good yeah. time doing it. You don't, like, check out of the, you know, you don't leave the convention center and go back to your hotel room until the next day, and then you have to figure out where the party's at or know who's who or what's what. You can wander around and find a party, and there's Dragon Con has done such a great job at making it open and accessible to anybody with a badge. You know, you have the raves, you have these dances, you have all these parties, you've got these open spaces, you've got stuff going on. It's not like a, you know, oh, I'm sorry, you have to be cool and special in order to get into, you know, to see undo all no, the fun no, stuff. No, it's never been that. No, there'll no. still be those areas where, you know, we, we can't let you in because it's too popular. I have yet to make it into Bunny Hutch because I have been not gotten there in time. Um, so, I waited an hour and a half last year. Yeah. Wow. And, I've only, not kidding. I've only gotten in because I've, I've been a contest. You've been a bunny. Yeah. Right? Well, That's I, yeah. what I hear the, the trick. Yeah. yeah, but you still, you have to, even as a bunny, you have to line up over two hours before yeah. they're going to open the doors because you have to go through a, a, a pre-check. Yeah, the and that's way too check? far. Yeah, that's check. too far. There's, that's too far away from my room and where the booze is. So I, I just can't yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're at the Westin, and and we'll go get half our group does it. So we get in line, and then we start texting people. I need you to bring me a bucket. I need yeah. you to bring me a flask. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna murder somebody. I, I need a shot. <laughs> yeah, shot, 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 yeah. shot, shot. That's why I am not doing the bunny hutch this year. I, I just, I need a break from that. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. And, but it's, again, it's that, that, you know, there is enough out there for people to do and they get exposed to the nightlife. And then from there they can follow the tracks that they want to, just like following any of the fan tracks that are there. You know, if you're the horror person or you're into anime or young lit or whatever it is that, you know, your focus is on, you'll find the people that are in your, your group. You'll find those like minds and those like minds will become a family. And then that family you know, will lead you to new yeah. events and new new things that you you didn't think and about, new and whether or not it's and new people, and those people could become schmexy love interests, or they could just become your best friend. You just don't know. Now, if you're into parties, there's specific Facebook pages that you know tell you about the nighttime events going on. People discuss it on the Reddit boards and live posts through the Discord chat. There's there's a number of parties that you can go check out every mm-hmm. single night. And, and also, I'd say you need to be honest about what you're looking for. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with being upfront with somebody and saying, hey, I've really enjoyed your company, but by the way, I, I do have a boyfriend at home. You know, just let them know that. You know, if things are entering the sexy area, you get the vibe. You know, just don't, you know, 
be upfront with everybody yeah. about everything that's going on. Yeah. And respect you know, cause you're somebody going to else see them answer. for five days. Yeah. And respect somebody's yeah, and answer if, if they're like, no, yeah. yeah. If someone says no, that's okay. That's completely fine. They have that, certainly that right to say no to you on anything. You just met them. Yeah. And if somebody has a flirty personality, that does not mean you get to cross a line and take it a step further. They're not exactly. Okay. No. Not no means no. Yeah. No it. means no. Possibly not consent. consent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So basically be and a human just, being. Be a sensible human yeah. being at all times. You'd be amazing at how easy, how being nice gets you things. Being nice. Be nice sexy. and genuine to people. Be being nice. You don't okay, need to so, be the, on, the dick, for lack of a better word. All right. Uh, well, okay. Tag, me. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm gonna. We're gonna have to wrap this up. So uh, in parting, before, as we as we depart this segment, I would like every, each one of you to tell me in one word what do you think is the sexiest thing about Dragon Con? And we're gonna start with Jen. What's the sexiest thing about Dragon Con? Ah, walking out, walking around the hotels at night and just people watching. Awesome. Spider? Um, the energy at the raves and the dances, that give and take, you know, if I'm DJing on stage and just the energy that comes off the crowd or just that group energy, that to me is super straight to the pants sexy. Darren? All of that plus... Finding yourself in a hallway somewhere, having an intellectual conversation with someone till the sun rises. Mike? The unknown, never knowing what's going to happen. Every Dragon Con's been different for me. And that's totally sexy. And for me, I think I have to, it's creativity. There's so much creativity there. It's just so inspiring. I get inspired every year I go there and that, that turns me. So, okay, now that we're all turned on. Uh, it's, <laughs> I thought it was going to be tiki's for you, honestly, so I'm shocked by this answer. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys joining us. And, uh, and yeah, now it's time to, to talk to someone about music. And now joining us is Clyde Gilbert, the Concourse Stages Director at Dragon Con. Clyde, welcome to the station. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Well, um, I, I want to get to uh, what exactly you do at Dragon Con, uh, but before we do that, um, I sort of like to always ask people, um, when was your first Dragon Con? My first Dragon Con was in 1987. Okay, so that's that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Is that the first year? No, that, second year? That was the first year. It was the first uh, official Dragon Con was in 1987. Wow. That's true. Because, yeah, we're going in 32. Yeah. Woo. That's amazing. Wow. So you've been there the entire run. Have you missed any? I did. I missed um, I missed a lot, actually, in the middle. I, I started off as a fan, and then uh, marriage got in the way. And um, <laughs> so my wife, my first wife, was not a, was not a fan. That's why she was my first wife. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I missed a few years. I had children. Uh, my daughter is as old as the convention, so that's my oldest kids. So, so you went. Uh, so you were going as a fan, right? And mm-hmm. when did you start to get involved, uh, sort of behind the scenes with the show? 
Um, I would. I started getting involved behind the scenes about 2002. We had uh, my band had come to the convention uh, as a musical guest in 2001, and I like to produce. I like to put the show on, and I saw that there was uh, a need for. Uh, maybe a little more organization. So I offered just to help behind the scenes as much as I could. And uh, yeah, we know how that works. Once you say you're willing to help, all of a sudden, boom, the floodgates open, right? Right. I got the hook right in the mouth. <laughs> I haven't been back since. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about what, what you do now. What is, uh, um, now we know that uh, that DragonCon has a bunch of musicians. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, now it used to be that there was so, sort of one area where they used to hang out and play every day, right? Like on a, like during the day. That's right. There was a, a small area. It was a chair and a microphone and a, a little <laughs> tiny PV amp. And there were usually um, it, it, it consisted mostly of filk artists, which were all, you know, part of the filk programming track, and they wanted to have a place to perform. And that then was there, that, uh, like, the, was that that was in the Hyatt, right? That was in the Hyatt Regency, yep. and that's where our our what I call our flagship stage is still in the Hyatt, mostly because that's where people know where to find us. Gotcha. What happened though was uh, as. Uh, my band came in and, and had a very, very strong uh, following. And we also had a full rig and uh, a sound tech at the time. And so I made the offer that we would set up the sound. We would run the sound for all of the bands that came through. And when that got established, it pretty much exploded at that point and more and more bands wanted to come and perform when they saw that they had a sound rig that they could play on. Nice. And, and so now it goes from like that one stage, how many stages, it seems like there's music almost in, in every, in everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure it's down to like, how many stages do you have now? Well, we have uh concourse stages has two stages. There's one, uh, in the Hyatt that is just outside of the art show uh, on the um, uh, the exhibit level. Right. And that's our tried and true. That's where everyone knows where to find us. Uh, about three or four years ago, the decision was made to expand to a second stage. And that stage has been a kind of nomadic. It's We started, we did one year at the Hilton on the outside deck, and then the adjacent building was sold. And they didn't want to hear anything about that. So it moved for the past two years. We were at the America's Mart building two, just outside of the dealer's room. Mm-hmm. And it has become so popular that the fans were having trouble getting into the building uh, with the access restrictions, different things like that. So we are moving the stage this year. We haven't determined which location that we're going to move it to, but it will be in one of the, uh, other host hotels but right now we have two stages and then that's what we oversee is a combination of house bands that are brought in specifically for those stages and for house parties track parties there are main stage bands that want additional time and there are also filk bands that want to expand outside of the filk track and if they're if they have enough main stage uh, and mainstream pool, then we bring them on to one of those stages also. So we wind up having about 40, 
between 40 and 50 shows during the course of the convention on the two stages. Wow. And is this, do you have, do, do bands repeat? So I would imagine they'd probably do. So uh, they do. Um, what I'm not involved in the decision-making process for the bands because my band was, uh, was a part of, you know, the regular makeup. Plus we provided the sound equipment. So I didn't want to get into any sort of a conflict of interest or anything like that. So uh, the bands are selected by a committee, but there are bands that come back because they're so popular that fans demand them back. But we try to keep it at about a 50-50 split between new bands and returning bands so that we have a nice mix there. Well, that's that's well done. And and to your point, um, I did think it was cool. The concept was cool that there was – a, another concourse stage in uh, the America's Mart area. But then logistically, you know, um, because especially on Saturday, it's got so much traffic problems. Anything that you can do to sort of alleviate that is probably for the best. Well, that's why the decision was made to move it to one of the host hotels because yeah. we, uh, I, I take a look at, at a lot of traffic patterns and I take a lot of feedback from the fans and they, necessarily didn't necessarily want to go to the dealer's room stand in line their access because so many people want to get into that building for the exhibit halls and for the dealer's room fans who were coming to see a band would wind up getting stuck in line for an hour and a half and they have the access restrictions with maximum occupancy so it became very frustrating so uh, I brought it to the to the board of directors and suggested that we move it to a different location so that we could have um, uh, more unhindered access. And we could also offer more performances because we wouldn't have to shut it down when the dealer's room shut down. At exactly. Right. Through the evening, so. That's true. That's true. Very cool. Well, I, I hope, I mean, I know, so you're working uh, for those four or five days plus, I'm sure. Um, do you, I, you get to enjoy the, what's the, what is a, what is a perk from being able to, from working? So you're working, but do you, is there perks? Is, uh, is there something that you really enjoy about, uh, doing that that weekend? Believe it or not, I really like putting on the show. I get so much satisfaction from interacting with returning bands who over the years have become, some of them have become great friends of mine. Uh, seeing new acts, my, my musical taste is as wide as it gets. So I really, really enjoy moving back and forth between the stages and coordinating, you know, the performances and getting everything set up to give them the best show that they possibly can. And my perk is really being able to walk out into the crowd and see everyone having a great time. And that's my satisfaction. Uh, I don't ask for a whole lot after that. So. Is there anything that uh, you think people should be aware of? Do you, is there some sort of, uh, yeah, something they should look for uh, that maybe is not front and center as far as the concourse stages go? Uh, well, the concourse stages are uh, uh, kind of a, a, I don't want to call it a kinder, gentler uh, area for music. But when our, you know, when our members come in, when the fans come in, I try to keep uh, the area as open as possible so the music will bring people 
into the area. And the main thing that I always ask is that they keep it in uh, as an as a intimate a an experience as they possibly can, uh, which is there are no barriers between the bands or the the, the performers and uh, uh, and and the fans and the audience. Um, as far as anything that they should look for or anything like that, um, there's not really much in the way that we have a banner up. But really, I just tell people to follow the music and, and look in the program and look for showtimes. So so those concourses, uh, the schedules are, I mean, obviously everything is TBA, but <laughs> uh, subject to change, too. Right. But, um, but, but there is a schedule for that. Is that. Would that be covered in the app as well? It's covered in the app, and as a matter of fact, that's the best place to find the performance and the performance location, the performers, their locations, and their times. Because, in the nature of how uh, performers are booked and how their tour schedules sometimes don't free up until the last minute, or we have we find out that we have some additional openings and we can ask uh, additional performers to come in. Many, many times, and as actually as a rule of thumb, we're one of the last uh, programming tracks that gets solidified. And sometimes it's only a couple of weeks before the convention. And then, even then, we have a tendency to kind of try and Tetris bands around because some of the performers have, uh, they're also guests of other uh, programming tracks, or they have panels that they've been asked to uh, participate on many of our artists are also authors or their makers or their influencers in other genres. And so we try to be as flexible as we can. So what I suggest everyone is check the app because everything happens and it. And if we have a change, it's updated that day, usually within a couple of hours. Awesome. Um, before we let you go, um, I'd have to ask you, since you've been there from the beginning, right. seen the growth and everything that is all about DragonCon, why do you think it is that makes DragonCon uh, so unique that people, that bands, that, you know, it's, that, that people keep coming back and, and attract so many people? over the years? Well, I, you know, this, this might be a bit of a, uh, of a debatable claim, but DragonCon pretty much set the genre of quote con music, uh, created it. Uh, and uh, of course there was Filk and there were main stage performers, you know, we brought in Gore and, you know, big, big names, but a genre grew up, in the dragon con scene that then just kind of went out to other conventions all around the country. And I think that that's part of what our, what our strength is, is that we've tried to maintain kind of a family vibe. Everyone pretty much who comes to the convention as a performer has a great time. And that's what we try to ensure. And I think as even as large as dragon con is or 80,000 people who are, you know, coming each year and we'll probably bust 90,000 this year uh, by all, you know, by, by all indications, but it still has a, a reunion vibe, like a family reunion type thing. People really do have a tendency to uh, be a little more connected, a little more intimate. And I think that the music is something that kind of solidifies and binds those 
fans together, no matter what you're coming to see, whether you're coming to see major media stars or you're coming to see movie tracks, you're coming to see literary tracks or makers tracks, pretty much they all cross paths at our stage. And I think that that's our greatest strength and how we've been able to grow it in such a way over the years. We've gone from two or three performers to 25 to 30 performers each year and two stages, main stage, filk, and uh, room parties, huge room parties with the bands that also now come in to perform. And the bands, what I try to do is make sure that they make as much money as they possibly can and, you know, through sales and through exposure and make them as comfortable as they can so that they can put on their best show. And by the fact that they keep wanting to come back, I guess we're doing something right. Absolutely. And I, you know what? I hadn't even thought of that before, but when you started talking about how the Dragon Con music scene has, has kind of created a, a, like a genre or a subgenre, I, I, I see that now. I mean, I've been going for over 20 years myself and, you know, started like, if you look at like acts like Voltaire, like he, he had like Dragon Con to perform it. And then all of a sudden from that, like grew, like suddenly he's doing like, national tours and everything so that's right that's I, right I, I absolutely see that i'd never even made that connection before but that's that's awesome people want to hear music and they like to you know and that's <laughs> <Geek> out. <laughs> they, they, they really really enjoy it and everything from there again we've had major acts come through um we had uh, the misfits years ago yeah. we had, uh, um and even chick korea came not on my stage but you know chick korea the jazz legend we had uh starship come through a couple of times and then we have the stalwarts uh voltaire is there every year the crew shadows are there every year yep. our folk performers we have fixtures and you know we have actual legends in the folk scene that come through the music program also tom smith uh, comes pretty much every year, and he is kind of the professor emeritus of Filk these days. Um, he's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen in my life. I try to make a, at least one spot for him on our stage, but there's a there's a there's a camaraderie and there's a familial aspect that kind of moves across all of the musical genres. And what I've seen over the years is that the music itself has expanded out, and it's not simply what we would call fanish music. This is music that is very, very popular, and it's starting to branch out into movies and television. And these bands are coming through as a part of like national tours these days, which I think is just amazing. It's, it's been great to watch it, you know, blossom over the decades. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, coming to the station, and um, you know, sharing this perspective, which is unique. Um, um, we know we'll see you at Dragon Con, but uh, you mentioned a, a few times that uh, you've got a band. Uh, if you want to plug something, uh, what? Where can people find you? Well, we retired two years, three uh, now, three years ago. Um, my band was Emerald Rose, and we. Um, pretty much took the whole con scene by storm. Um, but we retired three years ago from performance um, because um, we're getting old and, <laughs> <laughs> and we have mortgages and different things like that that we have to take care of. Um, but anyone who you know still wants to keep up with us, we still have an active fan page uh, on Facebook at Emerald Rose. Um, but really what we've done is uh, we spent 20 years and I have to say this, and this is this this alludes to the power of what we have done as fans, as geeks, as nerds, as convention 
people because we literally, my band came literally up through, you know, the grassroots. We wound up at the Academy Awards four times. We got deeply involved with the Lord of the Rings cast and crew. We traveled all over the world and found friends who loved the music that we, that we wrote. And it was the music that literally grew out of the convention scene. And we had a great 20 year run, but what happened was, is, it, is that sometimes, you know, when you start the path, then you have to kind of get out of the way and watch others grow even, even greater. And so that's been a part of my personal satisfaction is to watch the folks who came along after us. And there are bands now that have written music for Buffy, uh, uh, the TV series Buffy, which was Nerf Herder, which put on one of the loudest, craziest shows I've ever had on my stage. But then there's there are other bands like the Double Clicks that have become real social forces there. Uh, and I have no idea if they're coming back this year, but they're one of those bands that come back every couple of years. And they've become such a huge presence in the scene that it's moved outside of just us getting together and playing music in the basement for 20 or 30 people. And we have hundreds or even thousands of people who come and they do begin to plan their conventions, not just at Dragon Con, but at other huge conventions around the music that, you know, has, has grown up in this scene. So when I say that it's been 20 years, we had a great 20 year run, but it's been almost as much fun and actually is becoming more fun to watch all of these other groups and performers and the creativity and the absolute consummate professionalism and talent that has come up out of this. And it's become a genre of its own. And I think that's been my greatest satisfaction over all these years is to watch this actually happen. Cause it's kind of like, you know, there's a certain amount of, 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 of justification and, and satisfaction that you get to see that when you, kind of know that thing something is going to be great and then it turns out to be great and you get get to sit back and watch it happen i think that's one of the best things in my personal experience that i've had over the past 30 plus years in the scene and it's and it's been absolutely great having you join us uh this this month we really appreciate it and uh we will we will see you at the con thanks for coming on thank you very much and now, so uh, we are going to conclude our show with a look, a uh, talk with another another cosplayer, another cool cosplayer. Uh, Denshi is here. Um, Denshi, welcome to the station, man. Happy to be here. Is everybody having a good night so far? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, um, uh, before we get into, like, too deep of uh, Dragon Con, um, last year, I think, you were the f- you were the first Deadpool that I saw, and of course you were wearing your uh, carpet Deadpool costume. Oh and, yes, <laughs> and uh, and man, I just thought that was. I mean, I, I I'm almost over the whole carpet stuff, but I did think that was that was awesome. That was a nice mashup. Thank you very much. Uh, it was honestly, it was a last minute thing for Dragon Con that I kind of came up with because. Uh, I don't know. I was I was really behind on a lot of things, especially because of work and stuff. And I had a couple of other costumes I tried to put together, but that was the one thing that I I really wish I spent a lot more time on. Uh, I had a few more ideas for it, but I didn't get around to it in time. But this year, this year, uh, I I have I have some plans to tweak it, so it'll okay. be much better this year, hopefully. So. 
I guess that leads me to a question about your costumes. Um, do you do you make them yourself? How how does that work? How do you uh, how do you get your costumes done? Well, um, if it's like a normal costume, like a Spider Man suit or something like that, I normally go. I normally out go to a um, website like Zentai uh, Zentai Zentai Zone or Heroes Time. My favorite is Heroes Time because they are they're really good with sizing because. Um, I'm not, I'm not talented enough to make my own suits because, you know, I work, I work like a 40 hour job and everything. And I wish that I could take some time to do all that. But, um, how I, how I pretty much do it is this. I, I draw inspiration from pretty much anywhere. It just, it just comes to me. Like, uh, one of my most recent ones was Detective Peekapool. <laughs> I, the minute I heard Ryan Reynolds voice coming from the detective Pikachu from the movie. I'm like, I clapped my hands. I was, at, I was at the gym and I literally had to stop myself on the treadmill. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's Ryan Reynolds. I gotta do this. So <laughs> I contact a buddy of mine. And uh, this, this is like a skill that I'm actually trying to learn myself. It's a process of where you can actually make digital suit patterns and uh, a buddy of mine charges about maybe 35 bucks per commission. And, uh, he, you know, he, he loves, he likes, he likes money. So I'm like, Hey, I have a commission. Uh, can you do this? He's like, Oh, sure, sure. Hey, give him 35 bucks. And then boom, he gives it to me in about maybe two or three days. I, uh, then I send it through heroes time and they turn it and they turn it into a suit for me. Um, but like all the little extra, all the extra stuff, um, uh, I get from like, I get from friends, I commission from other people, but the one thing I really like to do is I like to recycle most of my outfits. Um, if you've, if you've looked at like a lot of my costumes, you notice that I use, I, I use the same face shell and magnetic, um, eyes because it allows me to literally interchange the masks instead of buying a whole new suit and a whole nother mask. Yeah, drop about maybe three hundred dollars into the face shell, but it was probably the best purchase I've ever made. Now, um, how long have you been? How long have you been costuming? Um, I believe my first year was back in Anime Weekend Atlanta back in two thousand and eight. So I've pretty much been doing wow. it well over ten years. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and when did you sort of, uh, yeah, when did you kind of like get uh, like to Deadpool? Like, when was that a thing? Um, was well, or was it before that? Um, a lot of it was just anime. Like, I didn't have I didn't have a job in the beginning, so I had to pretty much go off of like eBay stuff. It started with Naruto because that was the big thing in anime. I started with an, with an Akatsuki member called uh, Toby because it was a mask. And I, I have, I, I was very shy when I was like 19. So like I wore a mask, a mask so I could, you know, be a little bit more confident in myself. Um, but my second one was like Moroku. It's just like stuff that I could find, I could find off eBay. But I got to Deadpool around back in 2014. When, uh, after a couple years at Dragon Con, I started realizing that anime wasn't very popular at Dragon Con, at least not, not as it is now. Like I've seen so many Hero Academia cosplayers at Dragon Con last year. It was crazy. But, um, as, as I was like 
I really need to branch out to another genre instead of doing anime. So I wanted to do the, uh, I wanted to do Marvel because, you know, comics have always been a favorite of mine. I decided to go with Deadpool because a friend of mine sent me a, uh, sent me a message on Facebook showing me the bat in the sun battle of Deadpool versus Batman. And like, I wasn't very aware of the Deadpool character until I saw this. And then I was like, this guy's pretty funny. So I look up the name and I'm like, so uh, I go back, I look, I look at some of the information background. I even went to local comic book store and started reading some of the comics. And then I'm like, okay, I really like this guy. Uh, yeah, I like his personality because Deadpool's personality, not like his, not like his killer side, but like his joking personality and everything, the ability to be like kind of like laid back in the fa- in the face of great adversity and stuff like that, and just like being able to make jokes and kind of like be comfortable in like any, in any uh, situation was always something that I strived to try to do because I was so. I was very timid. I was very shy. I just, I wanted to open up a little bit more. And once I put on the Deadpool mask and I was able to act goofy and everything at a con and made people laugh, I just felt like that was just a part of me that I've been wanting to achieve and I was missing in my life. And like, I was finally able to do it. I I definitely was going to ask you that about, about Deadpool in particular, because you know, um, you know, when, when it's Deadpool is more than just a costume, right? I mean, it, it's, the, it's an attitude. Um, you know, I've seen some cosplayers just sort of go a little bit too far with it. But um, I mean, I would imagine that it's a, it's, it, it, it's one of those ones where you're kind of expected to be like on like you're expected to be funny you're expected to be raunchy you're, you know what i mean i've actually i've actually been i've actually been asked before you see um i know i've i've actually known where the whole like where people go too far um i i know that i know that side of the dead of the uh community when it comes to the deadpool but for me now I've actually I've actually talked to a couple of people because some people have come up to me and asked, you know, um, do people do people like expect you to be like, you know, the minute a Deadpool shows up, they're like, oh no, another Deadpool, quick, quick, um, run away before he does something before he does something to you. Um, me, I technically like to portray more of a child, like a kind of like a child friendly kind of um, notion, kind of like just a humorous manner. I don't, I don't, t- like the whole cosplay, like cosplay is not consent. No, I have never, I have never actually have hugged somebody when they didn't, when they didn't want to be hugged. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've always tried to just be kind of like a funny clown in a way, you know, like someone comes up to me and they like, I'll, I'll, I'll do like a punchy, like this one's time, this like little kid come, this little kid comes up to me and he's got like one of those little uh, foam foam swords he comes up to me he's like die deadpool die and then it's like he's he's hitting me in the leg and i'm and i'm like oh oh it hurts oh oh no you beat me oh and i just fall right and i fall right to the ground but another and i've never and i've always been very respectful to other cosplayers and not once have i ever been told that i've gone too far cool and and like uh, one of my friends uh rebecca the right raven 
she has had a bad experience with a Deadpool cosplayer because he did go too far. And she, and I'm like me and like another one of my buddies is uh, like the only Deadpools that she'll allow around her because she knows that we're not those kinds of people. But I do know that some people will put on the mask and be like, Oh, I can get away with anything because I'm Deadpool. And like, that's not the type of character that I try to portray when I do, when I dress up as Deadpool. I've always tried to be a respectful, try to be more humorous and a little less raunchy unless it's, it's actually required. If someone asks for a photo of me doing an inappropriate pose, as long as they're okay with it, I don't mind doing it. You know, as, yeah. as long as, as long as, you know, they, they ask first, you know, consent is pretty much everything when it comes to the, when it comes to the costume. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the, the strengths of, of your portrayal in particular is the, uh, you know, you, you sort of mix it up. I mean, uh, I've seen various, uh, in, like different outfits that you're sort of merging with, uh, Deadpool, uh, over the, the last, uh, I guess, couple of years. And, uh, really inventive. The Pokemon one is really, really fun too. I uh, seeing that one in person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. go, ahead. go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was just going to say like, you know, um, the whole process of the mashups, you see that my first mashup that I ever did was, uh, I was inspired by an art piece. You, you can probably see, find it anywhere. It's, it's a uh, Deadpool on top of, uh, on top of a building. He's like, um, I am the knight. I am Batman. He's got a, he's got cat ears and he's got a, he's got a children's bed sheet and he's like, he's pretending to be Batman. Um, I drew inspiration from that for my first one. And that was when I was extremely cheap with my, with my mashups. I bought a child's bed sheet of Batman. I bought a pair of cat ears. I bought some Batman boxers from Walmart and I just ran around like that. And, and I was like, it, it was it was kind of stupid, you know. That was my first time uh, really doing Deadpool at Dragon Con, but slowly as I started, I started becoming more imaginative. Uh, my second mashup I did was called Captain Canada, where I legitimately took the Captain America pattern and I asked Gunhead Design, who's a really good uh, who's a really good suit designer. He took the base of Captain America, replaced the star with the maple leaf. And then retooled the colors to match Deadpool's instead of being red, blue, and uh, white, it became red, white, and black. Then I kind of just kind of worked around that. And then I, then I just realized, you know, I had a lot more fun doing it. You know, people thought it was unique and creative. And then, like, I've been looking for a way to be, to kind of bring out my creative side to cosplay. And I just found something that worked and I just, I have a lot of fun doing it. Well, and it's apparent too. And, uh, um, uh, before we, before we're able to let you go, I do want to uh, spend the, just to ask you a couple of questions about your experience at Dragon Con. When was your first one? My first one was back in 2009. I was 19 huh? years old. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, 10 years of Dragon Con mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. Awesome. Have you gone there like every year since or? I have. missed a couple. Okay, awesome. And uh, what is it you think about Dragon Con, especially from your perspective or from a costuming perspective? What is it about Dragon Con that makes it unique and special? Well, to to, well, to be honest, I find the people like a lot of times, like especially like at anime conventions, like the the age genre is a lot younger. 
so you don't you don't really meet like a lot of people to like really have much of a conversation with but dragon con dragon con is rare because it attracts people of all ages like you have the young you have the younger uh, the younger people who come in during the day and then you have like all the really hardcore people who come around at night and no and like the the costuming to to be fair I've only maybe attended maybe three panels out of my 10 years going to Dragon Con because, you know, the long, the lines are long. And like, I know a lot of people who don't really, who don't really do well being like enclosed spaces. You know, a lot of people are claustrophobic. So yeah, there's that space issue, but the people that I've met at Dragon Con through cosplay, a lot of people who do like the big photo shoots, just like, even like, just like some of the most, among the most professional people like they are very very nice and like i feel like dragon con is just an environment to where everybody can everyone is just friendly doesn't matter whether or not you have like over um 400k likes on your instagram or like whether or not you have like four likes on your instagram everybody at dragon con just seems to be so laid back and happy because you know you're we're, we're all geeks celebrating something about geeks so really, there's there's just a it's just an a vibe that everybody's happy, and then you just kind of once you kind of click with it, you know, you you just don't wanna you don't want it to stop. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's absolutely true. Um, well, very cool. Well, um, we definitely look forward to seeing what you've got in store for us this year, Dragon Con. But in the meantime, where can people go to find you? I what your next show is MomoCon. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So, uh, and then where can people go to check out the pictures and, and find out, like, contact you? Where, do they, where is it, can they find you online? Um, I have a Facebook, uh, I have a Facebook page called uh, Denshi Pool Cosplay. I've actually been, I've actually been in the process of trying to get it back online because I quit. I kind of quit updating it like two years ago when I hit, when I hit like this really low point of my life, but that's like a conversation that can last for about an hour. So I'm not even going to go into that. <laughs> um, but I'm more, I'm mostly active on, uh, on Instagram, uh, Denshi pool. It'll be Taylor slash Denshi pool. And, uh, if you want, and if you need to find out which one it does, just look for the Marriott carpet Deadpool. That's my icon. And I try to post as I try, I post every day there. Um, sometimes it's cosplay related. Other times it's, uh, it's weight loss related. Again, that all ties into the hour, but like, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but I've also been trying to spread out to Twitter and other sorts of social media. I, I believe I'm, I've just started Twitter at, uh, I think it's Denshi pool still with Twitter. Um, and I'm still trying to work that out because, uh, it's trying to keep up with so much social media and working a, uh, a, a seven to eight, sometimes 13 to 14 um, hour job a day. It gets pretty stressful every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. Well, we'll have links to both of those in our show notes so that people can check you out. And uh, thanks for coming on and spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Of course. I, I'm, pre- I'm more than happy to do it again. If you guys will ever, if you guys ever want a uh, random Deadpool to just make a bunch of jokes, especially just in the <laughs> background. <laughs> Anyone needs like a boost in morale. No, nope. <laughs> you never know where Deadpool might show up. Hey, pun of the day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll see you at the con, man. I'll see you guys there then. Take care.
And so now we draw a close to our fifth episode of the 2019 Dragon Con Con Report. We're actually past the halfway point with these with these podcasts. So a big thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode, including Clyde Gilbert and Taylor, aka Denship Denship Pool. It's it's easier to say than I think it is. Um, and much thanks to the people who joined us right here on the station, Jen Adams. Thank you so much for coming back. Thanks, as always, for having me. And where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook under Little Bit Odd, L-I-L-B-I-T-O-D-D. Uh, that's my, my public page. Uh, or you can find me at the Blurred Nerds podcast. Blurred Nerd, awesome. Spider, thank you again for coming back to the show as well. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, and where can people find you? I am all over the interwebs. Just look for that DJ spider. Not this one, not the other one, but that DJ spider. And that, that will usually lead you to my music stuff, my my DJ stuff, my cosplay stuff, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I think at some point there's still a live journal floating around out there somewhere. Um, yeah. So you can find me in all the places. Awesome. And uh, Darren, thank you. You're welcome as always, sir. Um, do we have, we have, uh, um, Legion podcast coming out? Yeah. Every week. Legion awesome. of Substitute Podcasters. Awesome. We're talking about the five year later run right now. So. Very cool. Indeed. And thank you, Director Faber. My pleasure. I'm just the one who hits record anyway. So I just well, sit here and twiddle my thumbs. <laughs> As I like to say, none of this would be possible without you. Oh, shucks. We try to cover all we can with these specials, and we really tried to cover a lot more than that uh, this this time. Uh, but to keep up with the latest news, please check out the official Dragon Cod website, all the social media outlets. All the tracks are active. on. They have Facebook groups, various social media as well. Uh, all those links to the parties and the special, like, sexy areas we talked about before, we will not have links to the show notes in our show notes for those. <laughs> so you'll have to seek those out. Uh, just, 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 like, just like Craigslist, we're going to be covering ourselves. We don't want to be sued. So, mm-hmm. so We call it Darren's List. Call hey, it Darren's hey, List. Hey. Darren will have all the answers. If you're on Darren's List, you're going to have a fun time. That's all I'm going to say. Come find me. We have the electrical tape to cover it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's um, in the budget. <laughs> we budget? can be found what on budget? We can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Stitcher. We want you to be part of the discussion, so please join us and post. Uh, Give us a review, too. We love reviews. Be sure to check out the Amazon link at the top of the ESONetwork.com site. It doesn't cost you any more to purchase your stuff, and it really does help us out. Uh, We also have a public store filled with all kinds of cool designs, and there's a link for that at the top of the ESO Network page as well. And You know what, actually, Mike, is really cool? I just wanted to throw this out there. Absolutely. If any of your media players, if you type in DragonCon, we're the first one that pops up. Wow. Okay. Look at that. That's amazing. Um, And we've got a Patreon page, right, Mike? We're doing all kinds of cool stuff. Of course we are. You know, as a member of the Patreon, as our, we're going to be adding a couple new, you know, wrinkles into our Patreon over the next month or so. And we are going to be adding new benefits to becoming a patron. Already you get uh, Earth Station 1, Earth Station Who, and the Dragon Con Report 48 hours before the real world does. And before any of the media players do anything, patrons get 
these podcasts first and you know a way of saying thank you and it's open to all levels no matter if you give us a dollar if you give us the five dollars or the ten dollars you know you get these podcasts for you know included in it and then after that we then release it to the general public after 48 hours so it's just our way of saying thank you but we're going to be releasing to everyone we're adding a 14 dollar level to the patreon i can officially say it now that you know we t- joked about it last month and said, you know, for the people who are going to be the highest level, you at the $14 level, you get an option to then at least once to twice a year be a guest on any of the ESO Network podcasts, not just the Dragon Con Report, not just our station one, any of them of your choice. It's an agreement we made with all our different podcasters and all of them have agreed overall, you know. We might have to bend an arm or two, but, you know, this is our way of saying, hey, thank you for doing it. Or we're giving you the option to hang out with the crew from the ESO Network on Saturday night at DragonCon if you're coming. We're not going to pay for a ticket or anything. And, you know, you'll just be invited to, you know, come to the ESO dinner that we usually do on Saturday nights. So this is your way of hanging out with your favorite podcasters who are going to be at dragon con. So, you know, we'll even give you a sample of apple pie if you're over age. So, you know, it's, <laughs> Whoa. You know. Okay. Now we're going to do some legal stuff. Yeah. So, so get there before I can find it. But exactly. Before, holds that I'm too drunk to find it. So you know, there you go. If interested. So right. we will, we will definitely be taking care of a lot of folks and, you know, we're definitely going to be, you know, having a lot of fun and we're going to be adding other stuff to it so you can find it real easy at patreon.com slash eso network doesn't get much easier yes we really appreciate all your support and thanks for listening i am your host mike gordon and it's been my pleasure we'll see you at the con and we're done woohoo must rise to bring forth a new era of podcast entertainment. The Cigar Nerds Podcast. Movie reviews, pop culture debates, news, science, and even beer reviews. We're stranger than stranger things and funnier than an evil sewer clown. CigarNerdPodcast.com We all smoke down here, Georgie. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.